Where we're going, we won't need eyes. Because it's a podcast, it's an audio medium. It's Haunted Phosphorescence! Everyone, this is Funky Spaceman Thoreau Smiley. Who's joining me this week? I'm Josh Cece, and I'll see you at Horizon Event 2022. I'm Brian Lesh, and everybody calls me Baby Bear for some reason. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Reed, and why do they always translate Latin? <laughs> I have been beyond the boundaries of our universe of known scientific reality. I am Alaric Weber. <laughs> Tales to astonish. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you will. <laughs> and this is Armless Haunted Phosphorescence. Oh, there you go. Ah, I said harmless at the beginning too, didn't I? Oh, but how spooky is it? Yeah. Um, it's it's spooky because it's spooktober. <laughs> now officially. Yeah. Yes. Spooktober. Uh, we're uh, bringing you... Four, count them, four scary movies during the haunted month of uh, the uh, Halloween month. Um, this show is brought to you by our patrons. Patrons like executive producers Michael Beckwith and Atticus Burkett. You also can be a patron. Just go to patreon.com slash harmless entertainment. We got a bunch of bonus content there. We got Star Wars shows, music shows. Um, we're uh, Every month we put up a... Uh, movie from a different year, our monthly movie. Uh, we just did Josie and the Pussycats. This month we'll be having a uh, spooky movie coming up there. Uh, that'll be probably by uh, the next episode. We'll be able to tell you what that is. Um, but this week on Haunted Phosphorescence, we are watching Event Horizon. This morning, TDRS picked up an automated navigation beacon broadcasting at two-minute intervals in Neptune orbit. Neptune orbit. This is incredible. It's the event horizon. She's come back. The event horizon is the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster-than-light flight. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. Where has she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. After seven years in deep space... There were 18 people on board this ship when it disappeared. I want them all accounted for. Opening outer door. It came back abandoned. Any crew? This place is a tomb. But it didn't come back alone. The ship has been beyond the boundaries of our universe. Who knows where it's been? And what it's brought back with it. The ship is reacting to us and the reactions are getting stronger. What are you telling me? That this ship is alive? I have such one thing to show you. Oh my god. Those my secrets. Those my fears. 
Event Horizon. Is that the best trailer we've ever seen? <laughs> right? That might be the best trailer for a movie yeah, that I think we've that, seen. That was a good like, trailer. God, it makes me want to watch this movie again. Yeah, no, that was that was a good one. Um, it was uh, released the 15th of August, 1997. As a running time of 96 minutes, it cost $60 million, and it made $42 million at the oh. box office. It was a disappointment. Too bad. Uh, sci-fi. At this point in history, sci-fi struggled in the theater. It did, but there was that big. There was there was a late '90s sci-fi push. Like there's a bunch of classics. When did Starship? When did Fifth Element Fifth come out? Element. Fifth Element. Fifth Element was around there, '97 or '98. I can't remember which. Yeah. But were those financial? Stargate was big. Like 96. successes. Fifth Element, I think, was. I know I saw Fifth Element in the theater. I did not see this one in the theater. Um, <laughs> so I, I personally yeah. made Fifth Element. Thus, Fifth <laughs> Element was a success. <laughs> Your extensive yeah. data. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, but um, yeah, no, Fifth Element, um, Dark City, Event Horizon. Um, yeah. The, I, I'd never seen the trailer for this. I've seen this movie. Dozens Ghost of Mars times. Yeah. I love this movie so much, but it reminds me of Prometheus where the trailer is so good. I'm like, oh man, holy mm-hmm. shit. This movie's bound to be incredible. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Very good trailer. Um, unfortunately, that did not translate into uh, box office. And that means, guys, we're going to play the box office top 10 game. Pew, pew. <laughs> This is the game where I will describe the top 10 movies of the week of August 15th, 1997. And these fellas are going to try to guess what movie I'm describing. Um, I will note that a movie opened this week that we previously covered. It is not in the top 10, though, so I'm going to spoil it. This opened the same week as Steel, (laughs) the the Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal Superman movie. Shaquille O'Neal Steel. That'll always have oh, a man. place in my heart. Yeah, that uh, it was. But I love Shaq. We've talked about. It. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. No, it was not. It was not a good movie, but it was also a lot of fun. You know what it was? It's like if your kids put on a play that they wrote, and it's terrible, <laughs> but you love it. It's like, oh, Shaq, look what you yeah. did. Oh, look at the time they took. Look how much fun he's having. You go ahead, Shaq. The big- Look, they don't call him the big Aristotle for nothing. <laughs> the man's gifted. The man is gifted. Yeah, that's one of his old nicknames when he was a uh, when he was rapping, the big Aristotle. Oh Shaq. Damn, that's a cool name. Um oh he he had a rap song in steel. So. Yeah. That's an explainer, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Shaq's explainer song from Steel. It was great. <laughs> it doesn't explain the movie. It just explains why he's there. Yeah, I mean, kind of. <laughs> um, so anyways, we're going to jump into the box office top 10 here. The number 10 movie of the week of August 15th, 1997. Um, after years of searching, a doctor finds conclusive proof of extraterrestrial intelligence. Contact. Contact. That's yes. another one for the list. Yeah, yeah. that's a hell. Of, that's a really good movie. Oh, that's a really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yes, Contact at number 10 uh, in its sixth week at the box office. That one was a hit. Um, at number nine this week, oh dear God, um, an unexpected player joins the school basketball team. <laughs> Airbud. Airbud, yes. <laughs> That's what I saw in theaters this week. There are 12 of those. 12 yeah, of those movies. Airbud goes to Congress. And he goes Air to Bud becomes president. Air Buddies. Air, they go to space. They go to, all kinds of them. They go to space. Some of them, are, they, there's a superhero team of golden retrievers. Yeah. So they have, like, uh, yeah. That dog is dead. You are watching a dead dog. <laughs> Look, I heard Vin Diesel's working on one, Too Bud, Too Furious. <laughs> Where the about dog family. drives a car, I guess. Yeah. But it's ultimately about. Oh, yeah. Dog's in the sidecar, which is. It's about family. He's like Shih Tzu Drift. <laughs> Just sliding a, a Shih Tzu across the linoleum floor. <laughs> he spins out. At number eight this week at the box office. A young advertising executive's life becomes increasingly complicated when in order to impress her boss, she pretends to be engaged to a man she just met. To impress her <laughs> boss. Oh, rom-com. Thank God I've never been in that uh, situation. Engaged to a stranger. Um, the tagline is, she was prepared for anything until love stormed in. <laughs> He's like, I need you to stay late to finish that paperwork, and I need you to marry this guy. Is this Sandra Bullock? No, no. Ali McBeal 3. <laughs> <laughs> it's, three. It's, it's, Jenner, it's Jennifer Aniston from that, that period. There was a period in the late 90s when she was trying to be a rom-com star. Uh-huh. Um, looks like... Guess... <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, it's, I'm just gonna Who's tell you. No, getting married too. It's called. It's called Picture Perfect. Um, at number seven this week. Wait, did she need to be married to keep her job? I guess. Do we glaze over? We like, yeah. It doesn't guarantee security. She just wants to impress him. Yeah, it's. <laughs> we got to do wrong at some point. Be. Hey, What's that? married to have a job as it should be back when boys could be boys. Yes, <laughs> no, right. to, to impress him. <laughs> she can still get laid off. Like, when you impress someone, how long does that last? A few minutes? <laughs> like, you've made quite the impression on me. <laughs> yeah, that was impressive. Roll, now roll moving credits. on with my life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made an impression on my boss. All right. Um, at number seven this week, she's a janitor. It's <laughs> not even a good job. At number seven. Oh, oh I'm sure she's like an editor or something, some sort of like. Oh yeah, she's yeah, always she, carrying plans for. She's one building bridges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's an architect editor, like yeah. Yep. And, and she met the guy in Alaska or something. Mm-hmm. Um. At number seven this week, seven, uh, yes, yeah, seven this week, a police officer joins a secret organization. Uh, Gangs of LA? Th- no, no. This was Upland. This was a uh, very big hit. It spawned three sequels. <laughs> 
It's oh, uh, Men in Black. Yep. Men in Black. Yes. Uh, in uh, its eighth week of release. Okay, I take it back about science fiction movies. This is one of three thus far. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and gosh, Event Horizon had to compete with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and at number six, Rough. it also had to compete with a movie where an elite mercenary is killed but comes back as a reluctant soldier. Soldier? No. This is a, another movie that we Spawn. have. Yep. We, yep. Spawn. We did a podcast on it. Spawn. Oh, man. Yeah. Spawn at number six. Um, it's a busy week. Uh, <laughs> I don't have time to impress my boss. Yeah, I'm going to impress my boss swap. by coming back from the dead. <laughs> and fighting Wait, wasn't aliens. It, wasn't it Evil Jed Bartlett was the boss, too? Yeah. And John Leguizamo was the uh, violator. Oh, yeah. That, that clown was. Oh, yeah. Called. Yeah. That was just so hard to look at. Oh. Yep. That whole movie is hard to look at. It is, but made me uncomfortable literally because it's made up of 50 percent ps1 cutscenes. <laughs> yeah this, this <laughs> video game graphics for sure um at number five this week a man raised in the jungle falls in love with a wealthy american heiress tarzan not tarzan no George, George of the jungle. jungle. George of the jungle. Yep. George Brendan George. Brendan Fraser. Classic. Yep. Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was a Disney. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Oh. <laughs> oh, there's an animatronic gorilla on that poster. I think they use the ones from Congo. <laughs> oh. I think. Yep. Oh. Amy Love Pepsi. <laughs> um at opening at number four this week, a rescue, crew a rescue crew investigates a spaceship that disappeared into a black hole and is now returned with someone or something new on board <laughs> to impress its boss. <laughs> Titanic. <laughs> Jurassic Park in space. Hell. Impress it. Uh, an American tale. Yeah. <laughs> Fievel goes to hell. There are no cats in space. <laughs> Fievel versus Jason. <laughs> so, so this opened at number four. It opened at number four, yes. I, which is pretty good for a science fiction movie that is packed to the gills with fucking terrifying images of gore. It is. What, do you have the drop off for this? Um, I can. Cause I have a feeling that word of mouth people were like, "Yo, don't, don't go see that after eating food." The following <laughs> week, it dropped to number seven. It it dropped fifty percent the following week. Because yeah, the gore elements are. This is gorier than Alien by far. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, at yeah, okay, at number three this week. A grumpy old man <laughs> tries to protect his family on an airplane. Air Force One? Yes. Wow. Get that's off my plane. Yeah. I love that movie still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hair, grumpy at... Oh, yeah, I love it, yeah. That's that's President Jack Ryan in my mind. Mm. So, 
just saying that out loud, even though it's not. Jack Ryan does become president. Hmm, that he makes does. sense. That's my, that's my president, Jack Ryan. I mean, hey, season five of the Krasinski show. We'll get there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> president uh, Krasinski, please. Oh, uh, God. I, I'd watch it. <laughs> Air Force One was the first movie I feel like that was like Grumpy Ford. Like after he was stopped being like, like, like Fugitive. Man. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. Well, and Fugitive. Did Air Force One come out? Before Six Days and Seven Nights? Because that's quintessential grumpy Harrison Ford. I have no idea when Six Days and Seven Nights came out. It was somewhere uh, in the late 90s. That weird uh, Harrison Ford and Hayes rom-com that I oh, love so much. Yeah. Oh, poor Ann I think that was after. That's how I learned to do that. I the, think that, that had to be after. Yeah. The water drop sound. Yeah, it must yeah. have been because I think Air Force One was Harrison Ford's last like legitimate like leading man hit. Like I yeah. can't think of one after. Well, Indiana Jones, but like, eh. well, um, yeah. I mean, well, you know what's but, crazy is he's doing it again. He's still he's still here, eighty five thousand years old, and he's still playing action heroes. Yeah. Well, and that's the more Han back. The longer he plays each of these roles, you know, Deckard and Han and Indy, the the less he has to talk. The more he just goes. Bleh. Yeah, or yeah. memorize mm-hmm. or yeah. learn. <laughs> oh yeah, just, yep. he just like looks. <laughs> Out of character and just growls at them. He's like, like cool, I'll play Han for the Solo day. again. I just saw, give me a vest. I saw well, behind the scenes of Harrison Ford, and he's of on Indy Five. He's doing very little on that movie because they were actually just people in Harrison Ford masks, like riding motorcycles and sitting in cars in the passenger seat that they're going to CGI the face on later. This ADR the entire movie. He wouldn't even sit in the passenger so, seat of a car. <laughs> they put this is double in. This this leads me to, and this is like a quick aside, but actors who've just stopped caring, you know, will Harrison Ford go the way of Bruce Willis, where he's just like, pay me $150 million and you can have the rights to deep fake me uh, in I, movies. This is like super current news. He decided that his, uh, Bruce Willis's uh, people, his representation came out and said he didn't do that. Yeah. I don't know how he that didn't. grew legs oh. so quickly. I heard he recently revealed he has brain damage. Yeah, yeah he does. Aphasia or something? It's it's like, yeah, yeah it's it's a form of really? dementia. Yeah, It's a form yeah. of dementia. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that which is why he was doing all of those movies, like, which is why he made 18 movies mm-hmm. in the last year, is okay. he was trying to cash in before he couldn't make movies anymore. You gotta uh, respect that. Though. Oh, man. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's like Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman did the same thing. Everyone was like, why are you making Welcome to Mooseport? And Gene Hackman was like, I can't remember line anymore, man. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I wasn't on a, a hit sitcom, so yeah. <laughs> I need I need money now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Moonlighting's not getting fucking any, uh, Frasier. Yeah, Moonlighting residual. isn't streaming anywhere, so yep. damn it. I know, which is a bummer. Yeah, that yeah. show was great. Mm-hmm. Um, number two this week, a taxi driver becomes a target after one of his, uh, crazy ideas turns out to be true. Is this, uh, conspiracy theory with Mel Gibson? Yep. Mel Gibson and Julia Roberts. Conspiracy. This movie's crazy. <laughs> it is. Considering well, who he is. I was going to say, once we now. learned about him, we're like, oh. it, tr- it turns out his conspiracy theory was about the Jews. So. Yeah. yeah. Conspiracy theory oh, and what women want speak volumes about him and his like, uh. public persona. 
but yeah, yeah. fucking uh and, I love this movie as a kid because it's so frenetic and he's a crazy person. It's like like Enemy of the State. It was one of those like late nineties uh paranoid like action on the run from the government movies. Mm-hmm. Um and at number one, opening at number one this week. This movie opened at number one. That's crazy. The sheriff of a suburban New Jersey community populated by New York City police officers. I, Copland. Copland. I said that earlier. Far out. I didn't know it was the. Yeah, this was the. Well, no- it had star. It had star powers like Who Stallone was in and this? De Niro. Stallone was the star, but it also yeah, it had De Niro, Ray Liotta, and um, Harvey Keitel. It yeah. was It was like. And it's kind uh, of a badass yeah. movie. Yeah, I like it. It's yeah. I mean, it's, I've never seen it. Who who made this? It was. Yeah, it's a bunch of crooked cops who, of course, don't live in the city. They live in this town in New Jersey. Stallone's the sheriff there. He's, pro- he's like an easygoing guy, but of course, these cops think they're untouchable and try to run the town. So it's like him against a bunch of. NYPD. But they're on his territory. I could yeah. dig that. All right, I like a yeah, I'd, I'd watch bad it. cop movie. Oh, that was a James Mangold Look. film. Oh. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. He takes huh. no shit. Written and directed, Sorry. yeah. Wow. Hmm. Gotta get in on that one before The Rock remakes it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Black Adam. <laughs> Kevin Hart is, I don't know, his, his Please don't. His secretary. Don't even say that to me. Don't even say that to me because you know it'll happen. Oh, Kevin yeah. Hart will be in that movie for some reason. And it'll make a Jack ton of Black money. Jack Black will be a crooked cop. <laughs> they make it as a comedy. This wild oh man beard. <laughs> I yeah, watch he's it. He's playing the Harvey Keitel character. Yeah. The more I say, the more I'd watch that because it sounds kind of like Tropic Thunder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ben Stiller to direct. Really? Like, oh. like to see the the Rock uh, remake um, of Goodfellas. <laughs> Oh my Kevin God. Hart, <laughs> Kevin Hart playing the uh, Joe Pesci <laughs> role. Joe Pesci, yeah, Tommy. No, 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 no. Reverse those like... roles. Have Kevin Hart play Leota oh. and The Rock play Pesci. <laughs> and it just starts off Kevin Hart just like, hey, look, man. Hey, look, man. All my life I wanted to be a gangster, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like, am I a clown to you with this giant beaming smile? <laughs> like, I, kinda. <laughs> Uh, um, that's our box office top 10. That brings us to the production of the film. Um, so Event Horizon was uh, written by Philip Eisner. Um, he's he's mo- known mostly for writing uh, Event Horizon. <laughs> so oh, it, was it a book? Um, no. No, no, no. I don't think so. It no. felt like a Crichton type vibe. Yeah, but I can see that. It does. Um, yeah. They anyway. were just capitalizing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he. Yeah, al- they borrow from a lot of things. It doesn't ruin anything, but, you know, that ragtag crew, that's alien for the first, you know, a few minutes. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, <laughs> proceed. Um, he also uh, – he- wrote uh something called the mutant chronicles which uh starred thomas jane and john malkovich hmm um hmm. yeah it was based oh is based on a role play art an rpg huh um and then he uh did write uh he's a staff writer for the book bad guys 
the comic book. Um, so he's he's not especially prolific. This is definitely his most well-known property. Uh, this was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. <laughs> um, no, this was not made in the same year by the same director of Boogie Nights. <laughs> um, Paul W.S. Anderson uh, is probably best known as the Resident Evil dude. He made a, all the Resident Evil movies. Um, and probably because God he made this. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, Did you say bless his heart? Yeah. Yeah, bless his heart. I mean, yeah. he's married to Mia Somebody Jovovich. Somebody had to. He's yeah. married to Mia Jovovich? That's why she's in all those movies, because she's his wife. That's why her character, her character in the games is like pretty much non-existent. Like, she's kind of there. That's why her character is the main character in the movies and none of the main characters from the games yeah. are the main characters in the he's, movies. He's Sherry Moon her zombieing her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, additionally, and this was right after Mortal Kombat, right? Yes. Yes. He That's made this right. right after Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat was his first big, big uh, production. Um, his first movie is called Shopping, which is you know, a little indie film. It was kind of his start. Um, after this, he made Soldier, the, uh, the Kurt Russell movie. So I, I watched an interview with him about this, and he said, he was like, I was scheduled to make Soldier. And then Kurt Russell said, I want to get super jacked. Give me a year. They stopped yeah. Soldier for a year so Kurt Russell could get really jacked. I think we forget how big of a star Kurt Russell was in the late 80s through the 90s. Exactly. Yeah. Just the the power to Kurt, be like, no, I'm going to stop this movie because I want to look good. Yeah. And Kurt Russell deserves every accolade he gets. Absolutely. I watched Absolutely. Big Trouble in Little China oh again this past week. Overboard. He didn't make Russell a bad movie. Is, yeah. Soldier's fantastic. No. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and now he's that later day where he's you know he gets to pick and choose. Like I love how much he went into the Tarantino he, universe. He is the only Kurt oh, Russell yeah. is the only reason that Escape from L.A. exists because at that point John Carpenter was not getting calls, but Kurt Russell was like, "No, I want to play Snake again. Let's make this." Yep, Snake yeah. Plissken. I He chases roles for fun. Mm-hmm. It seems, yeah. and that's why he's so successful at this point. Right, the Guardians Nick of the Ego Galaxy yeah. in the Marvel movies. Yeah, yep. yeah. He seemed he's, to be having a, fun. Yeah, he got it. The dude played Santa Claus. He oh decided to play Grumpy yes. Santa Claus for Netflix. Like this uh, dude is living his best life right now. Yeah, what? He's married to Goldie Hawn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, they never got married. Oh, that's right. Which I think is again a testament to you know. Seems like yeah. the couples that stay together the longest don't go through the. Legal contract. Yeah, um, they see how unnecessary. He he also made Alien versus Predator. <laughs> oh yeah, take of that what you will. Mm. Um, uh, that 2014 Pompeii movie. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Um, that was uh, that was the one that was supposed to uh, throw Kit Harrington into huge movie stardom. Yes, I don't even remember. Oh wow, John Snow in a volcano. Yeah. Uh. Um, oh my God! He made the 2011 <laughs> Three Musketeers. Have you guys seen that? It is bonkers movie. Exactly. Yes, it is. Dumas insane. is rolling over in his grave. It's it's like <laughs> it's like the Matrix Three Musketeers or something. There's like there's like the a slow motion. There's like it's like steampunk Three Musketeers. It's insane. 
Bad. The in, 80s one was good. Insanely bad? Insanely bad, yes. Terrible. Oh, it's a awesome. terrible movie. Oh, yeah. You mean the Josh? You mean the one with Kiefer Sutherland? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah. And, and uh, Oliver Platt. And had a, yeah. Yeah. That's Tim the one. Curry. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. a good one. That one was pretty I liked good. That. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Paul, Paul W.S. Anderson makes a certain kind of. I don't want to say schlocky sci-fi, but a certain certain kind of sci-fi that isn't always like the highest quality. Yeah, he, he seems oh, like right. an affordable summer blockbuster director. Yeah, like we've got a small budget, let's have this guy make a movie. We've got forty million dollars, make something. Right, you don't need an auteur in that situation. Mm-hmm. You need a workhorse, punch in on time and under yeah. budget. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. It's like this is a money maker. Don't your visions can stay somewhere else. Just make this. <laughs> yeah. You're not that, Denny. You're not Denny. Just right. give us a give us something that'll make some money. Well, and he exactly. and he hopped on this movie to make it in the year that Kurt Russell was getting jacked. Yeah. That's I'll, once I saw that, I was like, oh, <laughs> that's watching this movie, it makes so much more sense understanding that. He took off a Russell jazz year. He's waiting for Kurt Russell to do push-ups. Yeah, it's like, Kurt, why don't you stage actually or GTG? So, okay. So when he first uh, got this script, um, by all accounts, Event Horizon was a a space cruise ship that accidentally... (laughs) Avenue 5. Yeah. That accidentally um, crossed uh, some sort of threshold of a planet and it was being haunted by interdimensional tentacle beings. Um, that I'd was to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd watch it, but like, oof, I'm glad changes got made. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also considering maybe it would have been different, but there's so many anachronistic things in this. We're going to talk about the technologies that advanced oh, and those yes. that just did not. That was the first thing Jude mentioned. <laughs> like, I won- One time I was watching Star Trek The Next Generation and the away team was sneaking into this like fortress or whatever. And they, they bend down to talk and there's just a regular old spigot like for a hose. <laughs> watering. And I'm just like, all right, well, that technology stayed the same. Hey. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll wait for that. But so, all right. So he wanted to make this the shining in space is what he said. It kind of is. It is. All right. Yeah. Visions. Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's, there's a fair amount of Kubrickian imagery that he's homaging in this. Homaging. This, this yeah, is that a tunnel that spins. This is a love like Blood. a love letter to horror movies though. Cause it's more than just the shining. I mean, there's oh, stuff no. from yeah. Hellraiser and uh, yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a love letter to HP Lovecraft as well. It's yeah. There's so much about this movie that is really hokey and awful, but there are things that just make me love it. Anyway. it, it but like you said, Jay, it, but on time and under budget, like, <laughs> on time and under budget is the code word. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Philip Eisner, the writer, has said that the story was influenced by Warhammer 40K. I knew it. What did I say, Brian? What did I say? We were literally sitting there in your living room watching this, and I said, somebody like Warhammer 40K. Mm-hmm. Who wrote this? Yep. 
Yeah, he, he I said the same thing, and I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> I still do. Um, yeah, so um, Warhammer's a tabletop game, right? I have heard of it, yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. It's a tabletop game. Uh, Henry is a huge fan of it, apparently. So nice. the original cut of this movie was uh, 30 to 40 minutes longer than the theatrical version. And that that's the version we saw, the theatrical. That's the only version streaming. Um, and uh, so it was much, much gorier. Uh, apparently, so the blood, <laughs> the blood orgy. <laughs> See, <laughs> they called it that? They called it the blood orgy. Yes. <laughs> Like the one in Blade and so many other vampires, it's like yeah. vampire raves. No, this is the after party for the uh, blood rave, rave, the blood orgy, right? So, uh. so that was filmed by a second unit director who apparently went way beyond what he was told to do. <laughs> um, a little extra. He he hired real life amputees. Um. Um, and actual porn actors to have real sex <laughs> and, and oh. <laughs> for the whole blood orgy scene. So this man they, thought he was directing Caligula. Yeah. Do they, do, where you're getting your, your info, do they go into any detail as to like what, like how it was edited? Because I, I have a feeling that it was edited the way that it is because that imagery was so terrifying and gory yeah like i i remember not being able to pause this movie uh when i first saw it i remember watching it on tv and being like what just happened and then somebody had it on vhs and then we paused it and you couldn't pause things very well on vhs but now i have seen mm -hmm. all of the sh the single images of all this gore mm -hmm. were those sequences do you think uh, of like I, of like Sam Neill walking through them? I I I don't think Sam Neill was ever involved. I think they showed longer pieces of it. So some of the deleted scenes um there was um a so there there was a number of deleted scenes that they cut out because the original cut was not was not greeted well. People said it was too disturbing and too long. So they cut out a scene where um where Dr. Ware meets the people in charge of the mission and they talk about the event horizon. That's just kind of a boring setting up the story one at the beginning. Um, there was uh, more of a backstory for Cooper and Justin, um, including... They told us why they called him Baby Bear? I think so, yeah. <laughs> Stealing picnic baskets or something? Yeah. Um, the Rangers not going to like that. There was a, a backstory but for the relationship between Stark and uh, Captain Miller. Um, more scenes explaining what the gateway is. And then there was uh, some of the gorier scenes. Um, Miller finding a tooth floating around. A longer version of the scene where Peters hallucinates that her son's mangled legs are covered in maggots. Uh, a scene where Ware hallucinates that uh, Justin turns into his wife, his dead wife. Um, a bloodier version of the suicides of the wife. A longer version of the scene where uh, he finds the body that's hanging up. Like mm. That's the doctor, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like the suicide was pretty graphic. <laughs> yeah, but it was worse yeah. in the original. Yeah. Um, um, a longer version of uh, 
the visions from hell scene during uh, the final fight, um, more shots of torture. Um, and they're, they shot two alternate endings. And the final ending we got was a cut that used version that used parts of both. Um, one um, didn't have the jump scare at the end. And then, uh, let's see. Um, there was a, so it it had a mist style ending. Yeah, and then this ending, which is like Inception, like ooh, maybe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a studio <laughs> note. It's a studio yeah. note ending. They were yeah. like, "Yo, you pissed us off with the gore. You almost got an NC seventeen rating, and then you gave us a depressing ending on top of it." <laughs> yeah. 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 Fuck you. Um and then originally um the captain the the burning dude did not turn back into Sam Neill. <laughs> he was just the burning guy. He was burning man. Yeah, I, that probably had to happen because of edits. Yeah. Um cuz the ending is weirdly rushed. It really is. Which works, mm-hmm. but God, uh, but is is that lost footage or is that something that we can find? So apparently it's only been released as um, a, a lot of the gore stuff has never been released. And a lot of the deleted scenes only existed on a uh, DVD set. Someone's mm. kind of cut stuff back together as like a thing that goes on the internet, but it's not a real release. Interesting. Yeah. yeah I don't want to see the gore, but I'm curious about the world building aspects. The gore was more than enough for me. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, apparently it was far, far gorier originally, and that was one of the main things that audiences reacted to in test screenings. Yeah, this is one of the most shocking, still to this day, one of the most shocking visually movies, like the horror movies I've ever seen. It still gets I, me. I know I was, I know I was talking about it before we were on, but the first time I ever saw this movie, I was seven years old. And I had stayed up later than my parents, and I just watched this on HBO. Um, cause it was like one of those rare times when HBO was doing a free trial, my parents were yeah. asleep. I was like, I'm going to watch a scary movie. And <laughs> yes. I got more than I bargained for. And I could never see Sam Neill the same after <laughs> when we're going, you won't need eyes to see. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this movie, I can only imagine how traumatized I was at seven seeing this out of it, how much worse <laughs> It would have been. It could have been. They'd have made the movie that the second unit director was shooting for. Yeah, I I think TBS or USA, one of those channels, used to air it without all the gore. So seeing it on tape was just so much more shocking than this movie already was. Because like a guy on fire is scary, and like cuts are scary. Oh yeah, but all that other shit inside out. Yeah, Yeah. something else. Yeah, it sounds similar to when I first saw the thing. As a kid, and I really wasn't supposed to. Yeah. John Carpenter's the thing <laughs> yeah. with Kurt Russell, as we were talking. Oh. When that fucking dog turns inside out, I was just mm. like, mm. that sucked That's, with me. It, it for me was that climbing out of this the shower drain. Yeah, the, one oh. of the earliest. That was creepy with the fingers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this movie stars uh, Lawrence Fishburne. We've <laughs> talked about him before. <laughs> Every time, I did it. 
every time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I asked Al off the main thread, like, do you want to make a bet when he's going to say it? It was Fish the porn. first time. Yeah. <laughs> I would not take that bet. No. <laughs> I just lost bet, three Spider-Mans. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, we've talked about him a few times, of course. It's okay. You can call him Fishborn. He is born of the fish. Um, he is. <laughs> um, Protect, Sam- protector of the seas. <laughs> Sam Neill um, as uh, Dr. Ware. Um, have we done a movie with Sam Neill before in this show? I don't think so. Uh, Thor. Oh, Thor. That's we right. We briefly talked about him in Ragnarok. Yep. That's right. Oh, right. That's right. Okay. He plays Odin. Yeah. Kind of. He you plays know Odin. Are... He plays a guy playing Odin. Put, yeah. um, hmm. A great movie he's in that's a really underrated horror movie is In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, that Everybody is so good. Yes. yes. I still haven't Thank seen it. You. Jay Someone and I were talking about Someone else has seen that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone else great. has seen that movie. Thank you. Is that a carpenter? That is a carpenter. No. Absolutely. It, it is, is a carpenter, carpenter movie. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that yeah. movie is, that is one of Carpenter's most underrated movies. Agreed. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Great movie. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, we've also got uh, Kathleen Quinlan as Peters. Uh, let's see. She's she's one of those ones who was around a lot in the 80s and 90s, I feel like. Uh, she was in I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. American Graffiti. We talked about her in uh, our monthly movie uh, of American Graffiti. Yeah. Uh, she played Who Peg. She that? Peg. Oh. Um, she was also in Airport 77, Independence Day in 1983, not the 90s movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's, oh, she was in The Doors. She played Patricia Keneally, not Patricia Kennedy. Uh, she was in Apollo 13. Um, she's one of those that's been. She, she was in a. She's in a ton she, of movies, but she was never like. I think an she A-lister. started on TV or no? Um, oh. yes. Like she was in a thirty-something type show. Let's see. She was in. She was in the Waltons. Um, um, she wasn't well, in that's... a star. She wasn't in a starring role, but she was in uh, the Lifeguard with Sam Elliott. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's Sam Elliott's. The pictures of Sam Elliott from the lifeguard are like, well, who is this heartthrob? <laughs> <laughs> Almost as sexy as his roadhouse hair. Almost. Almost. Um, yeah, I'm looking TV. She didn't, I don't see any sort of like major roles in anything other than the Waltons. Yeah, the Waltons. That's probably what I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, that was a big enough show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jolie Richardson plays uh, Lieutenant Stark, uh, the blonde lady. Discount Laura Dern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Jolie I, I, what? Uh, Jolie Richardson. I kept looking oh, at her and thinking yeah. like, am I supposed to know who she is? Because she feels like, she looks like someone who I should recognize, but I don't quite she was grown in a lab using some of Laura Dern and Jodie Foster's hair. With a little Anne Heche. Yeah, yeah, just a touch. Um, yeah, she was, yeah, she got, oh, she was in a bunch of British stuff. Um, her first big movie, the first movie that I recognized the name of was King Ralph, the 1991 John Goodman movie, <laughs> where he becomes king of England. Yeah, again, underrated. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, she was in Shining Through. 
the live action 101 Dalmatians in 1996 with Glenn Close. Oh, uh, yeah. I bet she was probably, what's her name? The, the, whatever the wife the mom? and husband. Yeah. yeah. Yes, she was the mom. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Oh, she was in the girl with the dragon tattoo. Huh. Um, <laughs> the, I prefer the, the girl Craig with the dolphin. one or the, the later one? The Fincher one. Was that Fincher? I thought it was Fincher. Okay. Yeah, she's not uh, Swedish yeah. or whatever. Fincher. I I prefer the woman with the dolphin tattoo. <laughs> the, she's the, a party girl. <laughs> the girl with the dolphin tramp stamp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Tiffany, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Tiffany. It's Tiffany. Or Brianna. Yeah. This actress was recently in three episodes of The Sandman. Oh, she played Ethel Cripps. Who did she play in Ethel Cripps? Oh, she did. Okay. All right. Didn't even recognize her. Mm -mm. Wow. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, Richard T. Jones as Cooper. Um, (laughs) I'm hanging. Is that Alfred Pennyworth? Which one? No, no. That's uh, that's uh, Cooper. He's the one who plays angry. Angry Black Husbands Tyler Perry movies, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> He's in a number okay. of Tyler Perry movies. Um it's good, man. Yeah. Uh yeah. Why did I get married? Why did I get married to? Um let's yep. see. He was also <laughs> And then why did I get married to Linda? <laughs> <laughs> He was also he he does a lot of like uh fourth build stuff. He was in Kiss the Girls, um Hollywood Confidential, uh Phone Booth, Soul Plane, Collateral. Hey. Yeah. I love that movie. Um but yeah, he's he's a, he's a supporting actor. He's kind of just a for yeah, yeah he, he, he did, did a lot of supporting in this. He was a good character. Absolutely. He was also mm-hmm. in the main cast of uh, Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles, which was a pretty good show. Yes, he was. <laughs> I'll be a hip single mother like Aaron Brockovich or Sarah Connor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jack Noseworthy played uh, Ensign Justin. Does, does that mean he smells good? Is that like his familial? He's noseworthy. He is noseworthy. <laughs> Can't pick up the hammer, but he can pick up the, I don't know, side cam. Uh, um, his first um, film role was in Sino Man. He played Taylor. <laughs> okay. Somebody had to. Yeah. Um, he was in the Brady Bunch movie. He played Eric Dittmeyer. He was in a movie we will cover at some point, Barb Wire. Um, oh, he was in Idle Hands. He played Randy. Oh, that guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was totally familiar to me. Okay, no, okay, I know, I I know this dude now. Okay, he was. This is the guy who played the pilot, right? Uh, no, this is or this. No, is that's uh, Sean Pertzwee. Yeah, this is this. Yes, is, who is Alfred? This is the dude that like tried to go out the airlock. Justin. Oh, baby, baby bear. bear. Baby bear. Baby bear. I only know him by baby. his given name, Baby Bear. Yes. Uh, his badass street name, Justin. <laughs> he hasn't been. <laughs> yeah. That's Mr. Justin. Yeah. Mr. Justin to you. Mr. Baby Bear. 
Jason Isaacs <laughs> played DJ, the the, the doctor. Um, is uh, Severus not Severus Snape? Lucius Malfoy. All oh, right. In, in uh, the ca- the captain from Discovery too. Um, oh, Jason Isaacs is yeah. he is a killer in the character acting world. Yeah, he's he's dude. been in a gazillion things. Um, yeah, uh, Black Hawk Down. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Fury. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was the villain in the Patriot. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Um, he. Uh, well, yeah, he was. Yeah. He played. He uh, did the voice of uh, Admiral Zhao in uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Um, oh, he plays the. Oh, he was the Grand Inquisitor in Star Wars Rebels. That's yeah. I was gonna say he was in yes, Star he Wars was. somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's character actor extraordinaire. British dude. <laughs> that's like in everything. Um, Sean Pert- uh, and he speaks Latin in this movie again. He does. Just to point that out. I would also like to point out that <laughs> um, the entire. Uh, we'll save it. We'll save it. We'll wait till yeah, we get to the movie. All right. So Sean Pertwee as Smitty Smith, WF Smitty Smith. He gets a nickname. Um, let's see. He's uh, I, ooh, Equilibrium is probably what I know him most from. He was also well, in Soldier. I know him from Gotham. He plays Alfred, yeah. and I think he crushes it. That show's underrated. He plays like the most gangster version of Alfred ever. Right. Like Bruce comes home and he's like, I've been bullied at school. And Alfred's like, well, how about we go to that house and you just yeah. gotta rough him up a bit? Not you believe Bruce. that that dude was special forces in the British Army. Oh, like yeah. You believe he was. He also. Michael Caine, it's like, maybe he was. The son of- <laughs> You know, I I buy Michael Caine like he I used to. He, you know, he used to work for the the circus back in the day and everything. Yeah, I, I but, imagine uh, him swimming to the. Sean Falcons. Pertwee is yeah. Pertwee is also like one of the sons of like English royalty, a Doctor Who actor. Mm, His wow. father was one of the doctors back in the day. Oh, oh. okay. Okay. For a second, I thought we were talking about Alfred. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> his, his dad was on Doctor. That's some strange medicine. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, then that's our main class or main cast. Um, that's uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, there's no one else really worth uh, mentioning. Um, this movie has a thirty-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And, yeah. Yeah, and exactly, it was reviewed by Siskel and Ebert. So, okay, the ship tore through the fabric of the universe and came back, and maybe there is something <laughs> on board. But what? I'm afraid it's whatever satisfies the requirements of the plot at any given moment. In a movie like this, you want at least a few rules so you know in a rough way what they're up against, what can happen, what can't happen. But Event Horizon is all over the map, and I was completely unsatisfied by the behavior of the villain who knows things he couldn't know and seems to be playing both sides of the game at the same time. I did like the production design. It's a great looking picture. And I thought the actors did what they could, but the dialogue is very thin. Well, I'm in complete agreement with you. Uh, Again, this is the classic American movie or the bad American movie that we're getting made. Action, 
production design better than the screenplay. There is basically no screenplay here other than a scientific explanation of the premise. Yeah, which is no really. There are no characters at yeah, all. I was reminded. Could you could have the actor. I was thinking this during the picture. I had a lot of time to think about things other mm -hmm. than the story because <laughs> there wasn't any. Well, that the characters could have changed places. They were so written so yeah. the actors could have. In the well, let me give you an example of how thin this movie is. It's obviously inspired by Solaris, okay. which is a great Russian film by Andrei Tarkovsky about a space station right. around a planet that allows them uh, to imagine that they are seeing things that they feel guilty about or sentimental about from their own past lives. The panic so attacks. that's the whole gimmick. And then you just cross uh, fertilize right. it with something that attacks them or doesn't attack them. And what you do is you take a great idea, as in Solaris, yeah. and you cheapen it down, you dumb it down, and then you wind up with something like a Venera. The whole rhythm is everyone is going to have a panic attack at some point on the right, and, and so you just count the characters down because then you know the movie's going to be over. Okay, so <laughs> they didn't like it. Uh, some of their criticisms are are pretty sound, though. Yeah, valid. Yeah, they are. They are. Um, but like Ben Roger describes what he doesn't like about the villain, and he's describing a villain. Yeah, <laughs> like that's what they are. Well, this is the thing: is I. I would love to like write an article about the lack of media literacy that Siskel and Ebert have. Yeah. Like it's just one giant cognitive dissonance every time they do a movie. It's like, well, if you understand film and you understand the novels and stories that make them, this is the equivalent of a schlocky dime store HP Lovecraft cosmic horror. That is what this film is a distillation of. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Gene Siskel, in print before the show, he, he got a reputation for disliking everything. Just Gene Siskel is the hardest man to please, and I think he was popular in, uh, what, is he the Tribune or sometimes? But he was popular for that. We used to have a critic here in, Ari in Ari Tucson, James DiGiovanni. Mm, yeah, I remember that guy. You, you could tell he just wrote for the puns that he had thought in his mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on Letterboxd, I got a couple of reviews. Um, I cannot emphasize how much I hate this movie. It is overly disturbing. I saw it for the first time when I was pregnant, and I thought that I disliked it because I was young and the hormones, so I watched it again. It was at least as bad as I remembered. I will never watch this movie again, and if anyone asks my opinion of it, I will tell them that if they want to have nightmares for a week, go ahead and watch it. Is it's a, a horror movie. That's a thing? Fucking <laughs> hey, pregnant? Hey, at least she... At least she gave it a second chance. She had an open mind. She was <laughs> like, you know what? I'll watch it again. Was but, I tripping? <laughs> but also, are women pregnant? Women um, are they more susceptible to terrible movies? Like, but also, know. also, like I watched a horror the movie and it was scary. I hate that. <laughs> All right, what's the and, next review? And, and I hope and <laughs> unfortunately, I could not find one about it being gay. I gay look, five stars. Well, I give it five stars. Gay, <laughs> for sure. Had like three of those. It's always five stars. <laughs> look, all I'm saying is the chemistry between Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Neill. <laughs> Except when you, he's one of the most versatile actors that we know. But sometimes he's just Ike Turner. <laughs> sometimes he's just <laughs> like, yeah, defy me, I dare you. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> This film has everything I want. Body horror, cosmic horror, brutality, terror, and Sam Neill. Brutality? 
<laughs> Five stars. Pre-fortune. Brutality, terror, and Sam Neill. I bet you this guy has only God forgives in his top ten. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and Sam Neill. Um, this- as brutality. <laughs> Uh, that's about it for the uh, background guys are you ready to uh, get into the movie itself I am cocked and locked and ready to rock everything's green on my screen skipper someone drops the ball we get the call time to play spam in the can all right here we go this is event horizon we open in space you know, the place where no one can hear you scream. Uh, we get a credit sequence. Then we get some cards explaining that in 2015, we established a moon base. You remember when Obama did that, guys? <laughs> the, they do one of the coolest things I've ever seen somebody do at this time point. Like with the Paramount Mountain and they go past it into the stars. Yeah. Was just like a cool, subtle, kind of Kubrickian thing. Yeah, I did. I did appreciate the 90s screensaver sort of animation in the beginning with all of these little almost antique devices. The Omega watch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There were other things. I'm sure I think there was a roll of tape. There was something. Yeah. Jude. Jude was definitely laughing at the CGI. I was like, come on. It wasn't bad for 97. I don't know. Um, so yeah, uh, 2015, we established a moon base 2032. Uh, we launched a mining operation on Mars in 2040. We launched a deep space vessel called the event horizon, which disappeared around Neptune. That's Neptune's a bad neighborhood. (laughs) A lot lot of stuff goes missing around Neptune. It's not, it's not gentrified yet. Watch your back. They were told. Oh, is that you broke up, Jeremy? <laughs> I'm cocked and locked and ready. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. I, I, think you, I think your connection's a little rough. I think there was a big delay, and then you broke up. Uh oh. Do we want to hang on? All right. And it was locked and cocked. Better now. What did uh, I say? I can, locked and locked. I, we could definitely hear you. I'm not sure what kind of delay. <laughs> I'm not sure what kind of delay there is. Some semantical. I don't. Uh, I don't think there's a huge delay. I'm kind of hearing you guys as you're going. Okay. Okay. I think we're good. I think just for a second there. So, um, but yeah, you broke up on whatever you were saying before I told you you were breaking up. It was something stupid. We'll just move. On. Okay. I don't so, even remember. All right. Um. Yeah, so the current year is 2047. We see Neptune. There's some nightmare imagery. Then we meet Dr. Ware. He wakes up. He's missing his wife, Claire. He has pictures, which apparently he got printed out at Walgreens (laughs) all over his face. The digital camera doesn't exist at this point in history. Paper pictures. Paper pictures. So many so many paper pictures. It's like a teenage girl's wall of Backstreet Boys level of pictures. Totally. Of his wife who committed suicide. Yes, exactly. Um, then uh, he boards a rescue vessels called the Lewis and Clark. 
Uh, they're in Earth orbit. We meet the crew. They've been suddenly called up to go to Neptune. They don't know why they're going to Neptune. Do we know what kind of vessel this is? Like, is it an exploratory vessel? It has missiles. They say it's search and rescue. Yeah. I mean, missiles can serve multiple purposes in space, I guess, but... But I was like, I mean, the Enterprise like had a, weapons. Yeah, they claimed it's, like, it's a gunship, missions. but it's you know. a science vessel. This yeah. is search and rescue. That makes sense. Even though one there's of only them looks one, just better like to have it than than not. True. Yeah. yeah, one of the ships looked like a Klingon bird of prey. Mm. The Lewis yeah. and Clark. The long oh, oh, the the Event Horizon itself did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, let's see. They. All ready themselves to go into stasis in some liquid tanks. 56 days doesn't seem like really long enough to go into hypersleep. Yeah. Uh, it's because the the gravitational effects on their bodies. Uh, he says yeah. that like yeah. your, your brain will get crushed. And well, he says uh, you'd liquefy. Yeah, he's like, oh, I've seen it happen to rats. They were accelerating at 30 Gs. Okay, yeah. makes sense then. Oh yeah, that's the only way you could get that far that fast. So it makes sense. Um, all right, the science checks out this time. They they did <laughs> some some scientific thought writing themselves into these, well, these positions. If anyone that saw Love and Thunder, Jane uh, Foster uses this an example to explain that Einstein Rosenberg right. Like so, yeah. the whole folding a piece of paper and sticking a pen or pencil through it has been done. So many times to explain. But I think this this is the first time we see it in a movie, at least that I'm aware of. This is the earliest example sure, I can yeah. think of. But yeah. yeah, it's been done. It's it's at this yeah. point it has a uh, it has a TV tropes page. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. well, and it and like uh, Ebert and uh, what's his face, not Roper, Siskel, Siskel, um, That's what the whole movie's built around. That's the that's the thing, mm-hmm. which is really kind of interesting that this whole movie hangs itself on the paper with the pencil through it. That's the movie. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Well, and what's in between the two pieces of paper. Right. Yeah. That's what's, yeah. You're not just jumping to another spot. You're going through yeah. that space in between and what's in that space. What's, what's the space which? between? <laughs> uh, this should have had a Dave Matthews uh, explainer song. <laughs> That's the well, so that's no the whole does. thing they steal from. That's the whole thing they steal from 40k. Is that in 40k, whatever dimension you travel through at hyperspeed or faster than light travel is essentially like awful eldritch beings that will destroy everything if let out. That was like the thing they ripped directly. Yeah, the Lovecraftian. Or they can kind of grab onto you as you pass. Yeah, the Lovecraftian creatures that exist in the space you go through. Yeah, which and we're not we're not talking about Interstellar, but when they are traveling through the wormhole in Interstellar, the hand of Matthew McConaughey reaches through space time. <laughs> yes, well, and I remember thinking, like, God, are they doing the like eldritch horror thing in this Interstellar movie? But yeah, <laughs> anyways. Well, and in inter. In the- in Interstellar, the the creatures that live in between is love. So, well, yeah. it's it's us <laughs> somehow. It's us with love. Yeah, yeah. Um, and love gravity. is the fifth dimension. 
Yeah, that should have been Interstellar Love and Gravity. <laughs> when the moon is in the summertime. Uh, <laughs> um, it was around this time where I think one of the women or the woman had a flashback to her kid in a chair. Um, the wheelchair is already an antique well, in the 90s. Like it's oh, not yeah. motorized. Is it's she, an old school hospital she, wheelchair. Was she watching tapes? She was, watch, she was watching tapes She was watching video. Like, of like a thing that had happened while they were traveling. Sure. Yeah. It was another example yeah. of, I guess they stopped improving. Which the is wheelchair. what is interesting because she basically has like an iPad, <laughs> like, but then yeah. they still print out stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, all right. So, yeah, uh, they are in stasis. Uh, Dr. Ware wakes up early, gets out of his tank, sees his dead wife, then wakes up for real. It was just a nightmare. So what's happening in this place? Is the gate already opened? Is hell already there? I mean, it's in the ship. ship. The ship is the because okay, because they do because the they're not attached to the event horizon yet. No, they're not. But I think it's reaching that. I think. Well, I or think, are these just their their anxieties arising naturally? I think because we only see Doctor Ware's nightmares, and both times he then wakes up. So I think yeah. these two are just legitimately him having nightmares. And then everything after they attach to the ship is them bringing those nightmares to life. The way you keep saying Dr. Ware uh, makes me want to meet Dr. Y and Dr. Wen. <laughs> and Why Dr. Or Dr. Who Dr. Wolf. Dr. Wen. Yeah. Do- Dr. Wolf. Yeah. Dr. Ware and Dr. Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know it would be shocking right you, you do spend 56 days in REM sleep then you wake up yeah reality yeah. yeah your dreams would linger i bet yeah i just i wish it was more clear that it was like a nightmare sequence because it makes it really it makes the structure of the movie kind of confusing like they're they can't escape it no matter i what. didn't think it was a, a nightmare yeah i i mean i don't first. i can't say that definitively but i i because he he dreams himself in the future as he is at the end of the movie yes he does um so which is that's that's one of my that's one of my unanswered questions about this but we can get to that okay all right so um the uh crew are all getting ready they're waking up from stasis (laughs) they're at neptune stasis stasis (laughs) That's what they say. <laughs> they, say, they say stasis. I didn't catch over and that. over. Oh god! Oh yeah, I thought it was one character, and then the blonde repeated it. So somebody so on guess, set was like, stasis. Someone on set was like, "We're going to pronounce this stasis, guys." Just so you know. I'll bet it's a British fucking thing. <laughs> oh yeah, it's British as fuck. Guarantee it. Uh, aluminium. Hmm. Uh. So they're at Neptune. Doctor Ware meets the crew. <laughs> We got Captain Miller, Lieutenant Stark, Mr. Justin, Mr. Cooper, DJ, and Mr. Smith. All the boys. And the whole group's here. <laughs> yeah, it's a real good group. <laughs> and they, yeah, they checked all the boxes. Um, they, there are some moments in this that make There's me one of classic, classic sci-fi things where you see the character smoking a cigarette, too. 
Oh, the pilot. That, yeah, I like love that. Pulling a cigarette out. It's like, because you got to be able to smoke in space, baby. It's, you, right. There aren't a bunch of flammable gases involved. Yeah. Well, and you don't have a limited oxygen supply either. <laughs> yeah. Sticking oxygen to burn that cigarette. But also, yeah. So this has got the Except cla- you do have a limited oxygen supply. Well, yeah. yeah we'll yeah. find out later. that comes up later. Yeah. But yeah, it's a plot point. I wish I hadn't smoked so much in time. <laughs> but yeah, it seems to be like like most future sci-fi things, the atmosphere is like nitrogen heavy. So you can smoke in it. They don't explain it in this movie like they usually do. Mm. So this uh, this this has the uh the classic um alien uh design uh uh production design where yeah. everything all the floors are grates. Everything's kind of wet and steamy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Science is a boiler room. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so uh, they, Dr. Ware tells them about the Event Horizon's experimental gravity drive, explaining it folds space and time. He pokes the pen through the paper. It's sending off a distress signal, which seems to consist of a series of screams and howls. And apparently, nobody on Latin. Earth knows Latin. Only DJ knows Latin. Or the sound of humans screaming. Yeah. So I assumed that that somebody on Earth had heard this and was aware, like like Alien, the corporation is like, we have to send somebody. I don't care if the devil himself is on the ship. It's a ship. It's expensive. Yeah. It's just funny that Doctor. no one told Dr. Ware, like, <laughs> that's Latin. It's not the most unknown thing on Earth. I, I, I wish Screams that they had explained how he had been sent a little bit better because it would have been cool to have there be a little more nefarious intent behind his character instead of just like okay, naive and this is, pro-science guy. This is the perfect time for my unanswered question about this movie. Is <laughs> Bring it. This is one of the inconsistencies with the screenplay is it seems like Dr. Ware knew what was going to happen the whole time. It kind of did, did seem that way. Yeah. He was, he seems like Ash. Like there was, yeah. some, there was like, some... it seems like whatever is going on, he's, he's keyed in. He's like, Oh, well I'm going to take my ship back to the hell dimension where I am a demon Lord or whatever. Like, <laughs> or I can, can remember his... things from my past. Yeah. He can get past. his ex-wife back. Like the Nexus thing. Yeah. He definitely had some Paul Reiser and Aliens vibe going on, for sure. <laughs> That's a hard vibe to get. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Actually, now that you mentioned it, I think they could have they could have pres- um, driven home a little more like, oh, this is my way to be with my wife again, instead of it just seeming like. Yeah, kind of a Inferno kind of thing. Yeah, because I think yeah. they were going for that, but they didn't press the point especially well. Yeah, this movie could have used seven more minutes of story explaining yeah. for things like that. <laughs> yeah, instead of seven more minutes of the blood orgy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you That's know what? the horizon event. Uh, what we got, I will not say that it's too much. I will say that it is. I'm so glad there's not more of it. Yeah. Um. So they arrive, they dock with the event horizon which according to their readings is empty, but it shows Trafe's life forms in every part of the ship. Which I have questions about. Well, they also almost collide with it because they have to wait until they see it mm-hmm. to stop. Radar is 
surprisingly ineffective around (laughs) Neptune. (laughs) I don't trust the instruments. I have to see it first. This is one of the first times they talk. (laughs) So they, they mentioned that numerous times putting things through filters. First, it's like the audio visual, like, well, I'll run it through some filters. Then later on, she says, I ran it through RNA DNA filters. And they hadn't really perfected uh, zoom in enhance. (laughs) But also like, she was like RNA filters. What do they think RNA is? Because his high school science, he learned about RNA recently. He's like, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, welcome to movies. Yeah. Welcome to (laughs) sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, so, um, the crew goes into the ship, which has no life support or artificial gravity working. Um, the, the, the captain tells Weir to stay behind and he is clearly pressed to get on the ship. Yeah. He wants to get on the ship for sure. Um, <laughs> the friend ship. He has like an itch. Like <laughs> it seems like he wants to like rub himself on the ship. He's like, no, I have. I need to touch it. It's like a weird. Like, hey man, thing. how am I going to gouge my own eyes out if I'm not on that shit, bro? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Answer me that. <laughs> These eyes won't gouge themselves. <laughs> you think I can sit here all day smoking? So, uh, the ship is designed. It's got a large tunnel in the middle connecting the engineering section with the gravity drive, and the command deck and living quarters on the other side. Um, one cool thing I noticed was that the shape of the tunnel was eye shaped, which I thought was probably yeah, that was cool. And cool. Um, yeah, visually the ship design that being a tunnel yeah. works so well. Yeah, very cool. Um, so there's a series of explosives in the tunnel so that it can be blown up, and the gravity drive and engineering will be disconnected from the front half, which can be used as a life raft in case of emergency. Which is conveniently explained to us. It's very Chekhov's. Yeah, very Chekhov's uh, exploding tunnel. (laughs) That was the three sisters, right? Yeah. Um, So uh, um, they find nobody alive. There is a floating corpse and uh, kind of just like blood gunk all over the walls. Goo. Everywhere, just human goo, <laughs> yeah, human goo. Because oh, they just it definitely RNA. had a. Well, it looked a lot like the uh, the faces, the face on the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, like yeah. the face in the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Mr. Justin passes off as coolant. Yes, yeah. Um, he finds Mr. Justin finds the gravity drive, which appears to have been designed by an engineering student going through a goth phase. <laughs> uh, like it didn't need to have that many Trent Reznor's. Yeah. It didn't need to have that many spikes and things. Studio. I don't feel like Sam Neill's character, Dr. Weir designed it. He was still working through some shit. Clearly. No, but the spikes, it's like in galaxy quest where Sigourney Weaver's like, why would you build this? Isn't this, isn't this designed to look like a portal from Hellraiser though? There's like a specific, I'm not super familiar. It kind of does. Movies. There's like a spinning hell portal thing. Yeah. And this, and- that they took the design of this room from that. Yeah, and there it is a popular theory that this is in the Hellraiser universe. Um, a popular fan theory. Um, but yeah, 
and the uh, the meat grinder tunnel that Justin has to go through. Yes, what the fuck? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, what was... Uh, so this ship... The, this ship is huge. And so you've got life support, which is the oxygen canisters, are housed in the reactor room with the puddingy oil space <laughs> um, uh, portal. What is all of the rest of this ship for? Like three rooms. And what was the big fish tank that was all green that the blood came out of later on? If, yeah, I think that was the bio the cooler for the journey. Yeah. It's the bio <laughs> cooler. <laughs> I see. <laughs> there were some orange man. slices floating in it too. No one can hear you thirsty in space. <laughs> Uh, have you been haunted by eldritch demons? <laughs> Nothing quenches your thirst like icy acting cooler. Uh, <laughs> to the extreme. So, um, all right. So they uh, are looking around and Mr. Justin sticks his hand through the portal that the gravity drive makes. Yeah, always do that. That's how you taste Always stick it. your hand into something that you don't know what it is. Well, <laughs> or, I, or taste it. Dr. Weir is a concerned <laughs> scientist this whole time. He designed this thing. And this is uh, leads to my unanswered question of what is happening with Dr. Weir. You'd think he'd be like, don't walk towards the thing if it's moving. It shouldn't be doing that. We don't lose radio contact <laughs> until Mr. Justin Baby Bear puts his hand into the door the black goop that's what he thought it was honey <laughs> he's baby berry <laughs> it's that super dense honey that black hole honey yeah. <laughs> hey, man, that, <laughs> that black hole honey <laughs> that is that an ohio players hole honey it's different yeah <laughs> <laughs> Black hole. I wonder how many calories a teaspoon of that stuff is. <laughs> yeah. It's keto. <laughs> Low carb. So it's it's activates, which causes a shockwave that damages Lewis, the uh, Lewis and Clark. Um and forces the crew to board the event horizon. Gravity's restored just as Justin gets sucked into the portal. Uh, he gets pulled out by Mr. Cooper, who he was hanging with. Uh, <laughs> he was hanging with. Yeah. This is a, the, the action sequences in the beginning are weird. Yeah. Them, them like floating together. Like, I got you. Them screaming. A lot of these were just weird choices. <laughs> just ping pong, like, or no, pinballing around in a dome. Um, I they spent a lot of money for that shot. That's, that's why I'm like, why this? I love how ridiculous I love how ridiculously advanced um some technologies are uh like artificial gravity. Artificial gravity is not something we're going to come up with in the next 100 years. Not by we're not. 2015. No. But the ship's log is still on a CD-ROM. Yes, exactly. Oh my god, with a bunch of car stereo decks. <laughs> yes. Remember you had, you'd have to pull it out sometimes cuz it wouldn't She's like, it's you know, really jammed one in deck there. Is, 
one deck is for the ship's log. One deck is for your prodigy CD. You know, you have <laughs> yeah. some nine inch nails in there what, too. Like and some little river band. <laughs> well, and whenever they board the event horizon, you don't see them click the face plates off because they don't want them to get stolen <laughs> take with them. <laughs> <laughs> but then they lose their face plates, so they have to just they have to bring a boom box and set it in the passenger seat. That's <laughs> the captain's log on it. Uh, so um, they've got 20 hours of air left on board the event horizon so they begin trying to repair the Lewis and Clark meanwhile Dr. Ware doesn't believe Mr. Cooper's story that the gravity drive was activated Uh, Dr. Ware explains to them that gravity drive creates a black hole in the middle of it making a gateway to some unknown place the captain orders that no one goes near it then Peters sees her disabled son in the medical bay with uh, maggots in his legs. So the drive is activated and Weir doesn't believe it because the energy propulsion for the drive was not activated. So uh, was it activated from the other side? I'll take my question off air, but that's my question about this moment. Like I mean, oh, I yeah. the hell dimension turned it on because it has people power it makes sense well and i mean the ship's alive so the ship can yeah yeah the ship has a will of its own so it was like oh if i want to bring these people where i'm trying to go i have to turn on <laughs> exactly yeah, I, I i yeah i didn't and i still people. don't buy that weir didn't know no i think he was yeah. lying at this point already we know he for sure he's lying later on i think he was lying here also yeah. Uh, so um, they find the last log of the crew, uh, which is distorted near the end. <laughs> Peter says, put it through some filters. And we get a beautiful <laughs> blood orgy. <laughs> yes. So, well, let me put it through some filters. Now he's a little fox. <laughs> <laughs> now he's a cat. <laughs> yeah, little did we know walk. that. Those were the filters that we would develop. <laughs> yeah, now yeah got, those are the one. Now he's yeah, got big He's got glasses. rosy cheeks and, <laughs> and little sparks ha- coming out of his eyes. Hauntingly blue eyes. Yeah. You get a nose job and a, yeah. <sighs> There's a sudden power drain and Weir has to go into um, the Matrix tunnel to find the problem. I love this tunnel. This is the most 90s shit in this whole ship. It's just circuit boards. In the Matrix <laughs> yes. Just, it's, just, it's, just green lit circuit boards. You know, they, there are no pieces. There's no components that need to be accessed. Just no a circuit stereos. board tunnel that we can zoom in on a trailer. <laughs> yeah, what's uh, that if, shot called? The the tu- the tunnel zoom, the vertigo shot. The vert. Yeah, I think that if there was an argument to be made for where not knowing what was happening until later in the movie, this would be the point where he stops being normal wear because this yes. this has like big uh it has big uh the hedge maze in the shining mm. energy oh, yeah 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 it does yeah no there's so it, many shiny homages in this yeah you know, which i didn't I, catch on i didn't consider it sense. yeah now that we're talking about it it's that's really interesting that he is mm-hmm. he may be aware but not consciously aware kind mm-hmm. of like jack being a you know a dull boy and he's not really aware yeah yeah. What's in his brain and what is not? Yeah. Huh. So um the uh 
Let's see. He sees his dead wife. The captain sees a (laughs) flaming crew member from an earlier mission. Uh, Jeffries wake or not Jeffries. Justin wakes up and he starts gibbering about the dark. (laughs) He don't like the dark. Uh, Afterwards, still a baby. Yeah. He's a little baby bear who don't like the dark. He needs mama bear. (laughs) The cave scares him. (laughs) Mama bear needs to come read him a story. Um, Before he, before that, before he wakes up, uh, when they're all comparing like what they saw, and uh, then Smitty, he said he didn't see anything, but he's starting to like freak out on um, Doctor Weir, Mm -hmm. and then DJ pulls a scalpel on him, Mm. and. Cal- calmly, assertively says, it's just a ship. There's nothing odd going on. And yeah. then he kind of, like, they call him on it and he kind of snaps out of it. So he's, DJs are also, like, being subconsciously affected. Yeah. And yeah. Al- also, they've got the bone saw really ready to go. <laughs> right the bone the saw is the... bone saw is ready. That is a weird bone saw is ready. You know, and the scalpel is the most effective tool against a human being out of that whole kit. You know, it is. It's it's just very futuristic weapons. Yeah, the bone saw, though, like I would expect like a Star Trek laser saw, you know, like the thing you cut bread with. You brought a scalpel to a spaceship fight. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, like, but but he uses the bone saw later. You think he just have this? I'd be like, I got the scalpel in my hand. But the bone saw, when they got there, the bone saw is just laying out like they have it just laying out like this medical crew was ready to amputate legs like that. Ah, Maybe amputations are a real regular thing in space. Read a book. You never know. That's the only reason they went to space medical school. That's why the doctor's there. Just to cut limbs off. It doesn't treat Yo, DJ. Every time they said his name, I just followed it in my brain with spin that wheel. (laughs) Uh, So um, they uh, afterwards, the doctor denies seeing anything. Um, uh, Dr. Ware denies seeing anything. He gaslights the others, claiming they're hallucinating. Meanwhile, Stark tells the captain that she thinks the ship came back as some sort of life form. They focus on repairing the ship, which is being patched by Cooper and Smith on the outside of the hall. That has some Borg vibes to it. Mm. The ship being a living thing. And the the expanse... uh, Ty Frank has talked about this a little bit. He's one of the dudes who writes that shit. They were clearly inspired by parts of this. The bio, uh, what do you call it? A techno, technopath, Josh? You're techno, a technopath? Technopath, Technophile? Yeah. Technopath? Um, no, technophile is someone really in it, but we found out technopath is you have somebody control who over can, machines. Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder if it's like reverse technopath. It's like, I want to be a real boy and covering itself in human skin. Like how? Yeah. 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 Like how? Again, Creepy, Kubrick. You know? He's really, really doing Kubrick on this thing. Well, it's plus- interesting, though, that the ship doesn't talk or communicate except for through the nightmare visions and the blood right. orgy. Well, and that's the whole Lovecraft thing is the whole point of the cosmic entities in Lovecraft is that they are unknowable to us. We we cannot comprehend the motivations. We don't understand why where they do from. what they do. Versus yeah. Hal, who's so like, like I, I want to, though. Who's telling you. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I have feelings, too. I just don't care about you anymore. 
Um, <laughs> they have marriage counseling on the ship. You know what's funny? Is, uh, what I just realized, too, is that the ship, the Event Horizon itself, um, kind of is built similarly to the Discovery from 2001, where it's got two big ends and the long, skinny middle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right. Um, they, uh, there's a sudden banging and explosions on the bridge that's like claws hands banging into the door and that's immediately after uh dr peters um checks on justin and then he's suddenly just gone yes yes he's suddenly Mm -hmm. gone uh the doctor (laughs) weir wants to let in whatever's on the other side open the door Again, he was. If, like, if, if you play. are, if you are not, if you are not, look. If I'm, if I'm <laughs> one of the crew of the Lewis and Clark, if I'm one of the crew of the Lewis and Clark, and the doctor that we brought on this ship with us starts going open the door, I'm like, tie that motherfucker up. Like, yes. he is. This we're is done the, here. This is the moment where you stop <laughs> trusting the man completely. Put him in the fucking brig. Yes. Or a Did closet somewhere. Just say, put open him, the door. Put him back in stasis right now. <laughs> yeah, Larry Fishborn really didn't step up in this moment. He wasn't there though because he was saving. Well, look, people. Larry. Larry Fishborn was very busy dealing with um, uh, Ice Men's cousin Fireman. <laughs> Fireman. Yes, he was the flaming torch. Who was there? The human torch. Um, the flaming torch. Uh, all torches are flaming. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, then Justin disappears from the medical bridge. They find him in an airlock. He seems to be in some sort of possessed state. He's got to launch himself out of it. You made the point that, okay, the controls were to the side of the door, and they couldn't see the controls from outside of the airlock. So when he does the fake out, and is about to press inside door and then switches to outside door at the last second. That was for his own. <laughs> oh, he was, no one could see him <laughs> doing that. They just know he was moving his hands like, towards the controls. It was even for us. when I space myself, it's mischievous because <laughs> yeah. I'm baby bear. <laughs> He's got a reputation. <laughs> I, I will say I there sometimes horror movies do the thing where they're like there's a, especially sci-fi like there's a timer you've got to do the thing on the timer I love the idea of there being security mechanisms mm. that he has to outweight mm. he has to like I'm holding this for 15 seconds like because I actually do want to open this door overrides and things are a cool thing in science fiction too. yeah definitely and it went on like I un- just commented and unacknowledged but that's like it's neat to see I can't write for. I can't wait for someone to write a space movie that doesn't have an airlock sequence. Love as, right. as much as I love an airlock sequence, it's like space is scary. That doesn't have to be the one point of tension. You're literally in a tin can in vacuum. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. We get it. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So, um, the, finally, he comes to himself, starts begging for help. The captain manages to space fly over there and save him. He is severely injured, though, but they put him in uh, stasis to keep him alive. I lived in New York, Jeff. I know how to pronounce bagel. 
Um, I kind of low-key homie lost a lot of blood to just be critically injured. Mm -hmm. Like Uh I was looking at watching that and I was like, I think that might have been every drop of blood in that man's body. (laughs) Was it six (laughs) times, eight times? Yeah, it was a lot. Something like that. He was a few quarts down. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Had to eat some of that black hole honey. (laughs) Black hole honey. (laughs) Baby bear going to get some black hole honey tonight. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to flip flap to the smick. Smack. Um, so, <laughs> Doctor Ware's still denying that anything weird's going on. <laughs> oh, this is fine. All this is totally fine. This is how this, this is how this my is how this always is. happens. This is, a, <laughs> this is a perfectly normal ship, haunted <laughs> ship in space. Perfectly normal. Uh, I just he just wants to open the door, you guys. Yeah, That's all. It's a perfectly normal ship that disappeared through a black hole seven years ago, currently orbiting Neptune. He has like big uh you remember the the doctor and the thing when he's like out in the snow and then eventually he's like, guys, I'm okay now. You can let me in. <laughs> That's right. I'm it's fine. okay. I'm showing fine. his belly. I'm fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how Weir is acting. This whole part of the movie, it's it's okay, guys. Hey, hey, what's a little bit of blood exploding out of the walls, guys? Yeah, the right. real psychological friends. The real Didn't psychological horror is his gaslighting the whole time. <laughs> the, it's not the nightmares. <laughs> yeah, the real Eldritch horror is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> I only have twenty more hours of oxygen to gaslight you people. <laughs> um, so the captain he keeps hearing the voices of the guy. It's apparently the only bad thing that's ever happened to him prior to this. Um, and- well, and it's like he never told anybody that that happened. That's like a interesting moral quandary, I guess. Mm, yeah, like, like he, he just died. I guess I don't know. I wasn't there to watch it happen. The beautiful flames. <laughs> uh, then Peters is able to finally finish filtering the video log and we get to see the blood orgy. Uh, I just had a realization. We see horror sequences for the mom with the baby, the mom with the kid with the broken legs. We see Weir. The doctor tries to kill DJ. Right, DJ's the guy who has the the naked lady picture that gets the holes poked through. I forget everybody's yeah, name. Yeah, the pilot. Uh, yeah. yeah, DJ's the yeah. Candace Cameron. Um, <laughs> we don't see horror visions for the rescue guy or for the discount Laura Dern character. Are they innocents? Oh, and they both—they're the ones that they, survive. They both survive. Yeah, and they survive. Yeah, they're huh. noseworthy. They were noseworthy. They were noseworthy. Well, and the only the only reason Baby Bear wants to kill himself is because he literally got sucked into the portal. He never had any real visions either. Yeah. He's just afraid of the dark because he's Baby Bear. So we have... And, okay, <laughs> does that mean that Sam Neill uh, is reliving what the first... Because he sent the crew off and that and they were victims of the thing and his mm. wife is just extra? I Sorry, this just like... Because his wife kills himself, and that's his first vision. But then he starts to see himself as the same captain who pulled out his eyes. Yeah. Maybe he's reliving that as his crime huh. or whatever. This is a weird movie. Sorry. The, yeah, I'm trying is. to figure out why any of this happens. I don't know that Paul W.S. Anderson put that much thought into it. 
<laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> judging by all the Resident Evil movies, I, well, I think I think this movie we lost some some stuff, some context in editing. I think we probably did. So, all right, uh, the captain decides they're leaving immediately as soon as uh, the Lewis and Clark stem being repaired. Dr. Weir doesn't want to leave. He wants to salvage the ship. The captain says they're going to launch missiles and destroy it. Um, while getting ready to abandon the event horizon, Peters gets lured to her death by a vision of her son. She- well, and we see Weir sneak away into the dark. We get his, I am home. Yes, I am. And then he just disappears into the shadows and we don't see him as himself again, I guess. And, and the class as absolutely bonkers as this movie is, this goes to something. Sam Neill playing unhinged people and playing villains. Mm -hmm. It's an underrated thing. He's great in this. Um, uh, he's again. We mentioned earlier the mouth of madness. Yeah, he and then uh, that for sure. Peaky Peaky Blinders. He's a villain, and he's fantastic in. Really, Evil Sam Neil. Evil Sam Neil is a a win whenever you can get it. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah, we get the uh, classic chasing the hallucination through like halls and like where'd they go? Oh, they're over there. It's a little appetizer for what we're about to get. Yeah. Uh, so um, he has uh, where finds her dead body, then has a vision of his wife as she kills herself. She tells him he's going to stay there forever and ever. And so he gouges his own eyes out. <laughs> um, meanwhile. Well, the- yeah. And she like puts her hands on his face. Mm hmm. In his dream, and then he is putting his own hands on his face. She's gouging out his eyes in his dream, but in reality, he's gouging his own eyes out. Yeah, it's interesting. Much like Interstellar, it's the power of love. (laughs) True. Oh, man, this would have been a great time. Much like Back to the Future. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That shit should have dropped. You don't need money. (laughs) As he's screaming. (laughs) It's a big, big... Uh, synth horns. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So meanwhile, Mr. Cooper finishes his repairs. He's getting ready to go back into the ship when they discover that Dr. Weir, now fully possessed by the evil, has planted one of the explosives from the Event Horizons hallway into the Lewis and Clark, which blows up, killing Smith and launching Cooper into space. Mr. Cooper, who is in an entirely different movie than everyone else in multiple (laughs) ways. (laughs) The best part. He is the best part of this whole movie. He's the only reason why any of this continues. Yes. He is. But like, also like he's not in the same movie. He's like, I'm coming motherfuckers. But like, that's that's not the Eldritch Horror movie. He's in like Alien or something. He's doing Gravity. He's doing the Sandra Bullock movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he spends like 75% of the movie outside the ship. Yeah. Yeah. But it, and every scene that he's in, it pays off for comedy in a weird way that like it gets you on like a weird back foot. This movie does that part really well, but only with one character. It's yeah. Weird. 
Yeah. Um, well, because he's also weirdly the most resourceful person because he's like floating in vacuum like, oh, shit. And then he goes, wait, quick thinking. Hold on. Let me reorient myself and do some things. And he's the one who like works it out to somehow get back to the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, yeah, and he starts propelling himself back to the uh, event horizon. Where kills DJ, uh, <laughs> uh, eviscerating him and hanging his body from hooks. It's, uh, he tried to use the bone saw on him. He did. He went for the <laughs> bone saw. Hey, don't worry, I got it him. It was ready. I have the bone <laughs> saw. Beat a dead horse. It was ready. Thank you God. You got to get through the sternum. Thank God every ship is sto- fully stocked with bone saws. Multiple sizes. <laughs> and old school. Look, civil, civil War doctors would have been all about this shit, man. Yes. <laughs> That's the level of medical technology in this universe. So, so the captain arms himself with the bolt gun and goes after him. He finds an unconscious Stark. He wakes her up. They're going to leave when Ware, now sitting in the captain's chair, eyeless, initiates a 10-minute countdown, at the end of which the event horizon, the gravity uh, drive will begin, and they'll go to the other dimension. Uh, Cooper (laughs) arrives back and, like, hits the window. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ware shoots at him with the bolt gun, which he picked up, I guess, after the captain dropped it. Why did the captain drop the bolt gun? Fishborn. He's got he's got those f- fishy hands. Um, he's well, just look, sweaty palms yeah, the whole time. Hands like a fish. <laughs> well, and real real movie heroes, the masculine men they are, we don't shoot our problems. We fucking fist fight. That's right. Our problems. Even if our problems are possessed eldritch demons possessing Even. people, we fight those with our hands. You punch him. He, he wanted to punch Sam Neill in the face from the moment they came out of stasis. He really did. <laughs> so I, I love the like, fact. I finally, I finally get to kick this nerd's ass. We don't see Cooper. <laughs> we don't see Cooper die at this point because. You know, he gets shot in the face and it does not go all the way through and kill this guy. They subvert our expectations again with him twice. So th- this is like the subverting the, the trope of the black characters, the first one to die in a horror movie. They have been dangling this poor dude as comedic stress in front of us the whole movie. And I love that it pays off the way that it does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so... Um, Miller, Stark, and Cooper all survive. Uh, they manage to seal the ship's bridge. Uh, Miller plans to splint the event horizon in two and use its forward section as a lifeboat with the, the blowing up of the middle bridge part. Uh, <laughs> we get the wave of blood from the ecto-cooler tank. Uh, Dr. Ware gets uh, sucked out into space. We see his body go... Oh, that's right. That's right. Dr. Weir got sucked out in the decompression. Yeah. Because, yeah, they're all holding on to the grates on the floor. That's why they have grates on the floor, so you can hold on when... (laughs) It's true. ...the door is open. Well, it's it's for all the blood sluicing from all the bone saw-like amputations. That's where all that blood came from. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Most of that shit, we were asking what most of the ship is for since it's so big. It's to hold amputated legs. It holds all the blood. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> That's why Space they didn't have travel is really atmosphere. just a... It's just a racket to get cool robot arms and legs. It's like, yeah, man, come come be on our crew for five years. You'll leave with all four new robot limbs. <laughs> the space, space travel was invented by Civil War doctors. Is this in the Blade universe? Is that where they get all the blood, the blood for the raids? Whistler, they have to. Yeah, Al's got the idea. They have to import the human blood from space in the Blade universe. Uh, so, all right. Um, they, uh, the captain is prepping the hallway explosion. He sees the human torch again who uh, drives him back to the gravity room, uh, trapping him there. Human Torch turns into Ware, who tells him that the ship brought him back. Him and the captain fight. He detonates the explosives, sacrificing himself. The gravity drive activates, pulling the ship's back section into a black hole, while Cooper and Stark get away in the front section of the ship. Stark and Cooper enter stasis beside a comatose Justin uh, waiting to be rescued. Then we get a card saying 72 days later. Which is really soon. Yeah. Like, if this was three days and it took them, what, 59 days or something? Yeah, 56 days to get there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, even less than three days. Maybe three days. I don't know. We don't know how long they were there before the ship got. I mean, they had 20 hours. Yeah. Once they locked on. Oh, that was immediately. Well, that 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 happened when they were first exploring. So, I mean, it was probably not more than a few hours between the time they locked on and they went into the ship. And then it was like maybe half an hour to an hour of exploring and then the explosion. Wow. Yeah. It's just, it seems so soon compared to like the alien universe where Ripley was in space for years and years. But this was in our solar system. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the wreckage of the Event Horizon is boarded by a rescue party. They discover the amazing crew in stasis. Stark sees Ware as one of the rescuers. She screams, but then wakes up. It was just a nightmare. Cooper and the rescue team comfort her. <laughs> Cooper's Cowards. just like... Yeah. Um, and the bo- the uh, the doors close. <gasps> Was it bad or good? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> and we roll credits to the smooth, soothing, soothing sounds of the prodigy. <laughs> uh, that is Event Horizon. That is it. Yep. Um, In the final. The final scene between uh, Weir and Miller, um, Weir says something like, you think it's hell? No, it's so much worse. But he's so desperate to get there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I. Because uh, at this but, point, uh, he's like, know. not. He's, he's more Eldritch being now than man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's he was brought back he's, by the the ship, so mm-hmm. he's, he's an something avatar different now. Yeah, yeah. He's like a representation or like an anthropomorphization of the ship. Oh, yeah. Andy got his eyes back. Oh yeah, at the last he did have his yeah. eyes back, didn't he? Yeah. Final scene. Huh. Where did he get all those? I like scars? to think that that. 
Did he trade? I like his to eyes? think Prodigy song just plays on loop. Yeah. In hell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just It just plays on loop constantly. They're like, we're big fans, but once every eight uh, playthroughs, it's once new Pussycat. <laughs> and then, no, 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 no. And then just to, just randomly every now and then, it's uh, all I want for Christmas is you. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, um, I hadn't seen this in a while, so it was fun. I I don't think I'd seen this before. Um, I watched it twice. Um, it was actually, I actually liked it better the second time I watched it. Um, I don't know why. I don't think I ever realized how much was going on um, in it before. It was always just like, ooh, crazy Hellraiser-y stuff. But yeah. Yeah. What did you think of the gore, Al? If this is your first time seeing it, and this may have been a surprise. Um, it didn't shock me that much, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. movies are so much gorier now, and what was considered so taboo and so far outside of the bounds, even in 1997, now it would it would be considered like spectacle. It's like when Eli Roth started releasing those movies like The Green Inferno mm. and stuff like that that really are just like stomach-turningly. Mm. Like, yeah, I cannot handle torture porn. I can't. The Saw franchise, like, yeah. like I can't. It's not for it. me. Yeah. Ugh. So nope. I know you guys did the uh, the movies I saw too young at the beginning of the show, um, but I, I have a distinct vision of my own. Uh, it was Cat People. Oh, um, I think oh I yeah. Like, oh, I think I was four or five. <laughs> that yeah. is way too young. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah. <laughs> Yeesh. Um, so, any other unanswered questions we haven't gotten to, guys? No. No. Yes. Well, just... they, never, they never really answered whether we would need eyes or not to see <laughs> yeah. there, but... Well, yeah, he got his eyes back. I mean, that's my question. If you don't need eyes, why you got eyes now? Then why did he get them back? What's with them eyes, man? It's a per. He got it. Well, because he got a promotion. So <laughs> he impressed his boss. <laughs> he impressed his boss by dating some. You know, guy. when you've reached a certain point, <laughs> when you've reached a certain point in seniority, you get three weeks paid vacation and you get your eyes back. How about that's that? Right. Only one set, though. So when he said that line, I had a just I had a strong Doc Brown vibe. Where we are going, we don't need eyes or roads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah. So um that's it for Event Horizon. We've got one more Spooktober movie to go. Next week we're gonna be watching Tucker and Dale versus Evil. It's a fun one. Yeah. yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> we've, officer, we've had a doozy of a day. <laughs> <laughs> so, in teenagers just started killing themselves up for our property. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, until then, guys, we'll see you next time. This has been your host, Throw Smiley, and fuck this podcast. <laughs> I'm Josh CC, and you can call me Black Hole Honey. I'm Brian Lesh, and I think I'll stay in the Hell Dimension. It seems nice. 
I'm Jeremy Reed, and uh, if Kubrick could see this movie. <laughs> I'm your best friend, the lifesaver and the heartbreaker, Alaric Weber. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. We'll see you You're next true. time. Bye. Bye.